Well, hello, hello again. Uh, it is so good to be able to be with you all uh, this evening, and we're so grateful for all of you that are watching with us uh, on Sunday morning. So thank you so much for being with us here today. And so uh, we are going to continue in our series uh, through called The Anthem of Hope. And as we just sang, uh, Living Hope, which we talked about last week, will be kind of like an anthem for us in this series, in this season. And so um, we're going to continue uh, in this series. And I'm going to ask before we uh, turn, we're going to be in Acts 27 like we were last week. We're going to finish that story. Uh, But before you turn there, will you join me in a word of prayer as we seek uh, what God has for us today? Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for who you are. I thank you for each and every person who is here with us in person and each uh, one who is watching online as well. God, we give you honor, glory, and praise for the fact that you are our living hope, the one with whom we can hold fast in the midst of storms, the anchor for our soul. And so God, I pray that as um, that you would reveal what you have for us, that as we dive into your word, that I would decrease, that you would increase, that you would speak in a personal power impactful way to each and every one of us, Lord. We love you. We give you honor, glory, and praise. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So as we mentioned, we're going to be in um, Acts chapter 27. And as you're turning there, uh, I want to just a quick show of hands. How many of you have ever um, uh, been on like a, like a, a cliff or a rock face? And have you ever done like belaying? Do you know what belaying is? Uh, so it's this idea of you're on the very top and then there's someone that's at the bottom of this uh, cliff face and they have ropes and whatnot. And this is whatnot is not the official uh, belaying terminology. Um, but it's this idea that uh, they have ropes and they, they have part of a harness that allows for um, the weight to be dispersed. And if anything happens to the person going down the cliff, that the person on the bottom will be able to hold fast and hold on to them. Now, I was part of an aero leadership group, and I've shared uh, this a while ago, just kind of parts of my aero leadership journey. Uh, and on the very first day, so we had just gotten in after a long flight, uh, we had our night's sleep, and then the very first day, uh, in order for us to get to know one another, uh, they went, they had us go through various uh, different exercises or different um, uh, like trust exercises. So one of them uh, was a trust fall. Have you guys ever done a trust fall before? Uh, and it's like, you don't even know these people. Um, and like, so we were standing on something a little bit higher than, uh, than these different planters, and you just fall backwards and these people that you don't know are supposed to catch you uh, and thankfully you know every single person landed safely um, but this idea of one of the other things they did was they had us climb up uh, to this top of this cliff face and we would be strapped in and then there'd be someone at the bottom who was belaying us and so uh, what it entailed was the fact that we would go down very slowly with our legs flat against the wall, the the cliff in front of us, and we would slowly lower down the rope. And as we were doing so, the people on the bottom were were making sure that they gave us enough slack so that we weren't stuck, but not so much slack that if we fell, that we would, um, you know, have, uh, you know, get injured. And so it's one of those um, things where thankfully, you know, everyone was safe. It, It worked out really well, but it's this I don't know which way I was more stressed. I don't know if I was more stressed being the person going down the rock or if I was more stressed being the one that was doing the belaying because when you're going down the rock, you're worried. You want to make sure your foothold is good. You want to make sure that you're safe. But when you're the one belaying, helping somebody else get down, it's all the more you need all the more cautious to make sure that you're paying attention, to make sure that you're aware, and to make sure that you are um, being cautious. And so I share that story because a belay would not work well if the person who was on the ground being that anchor, if that person was right straight below the one who was climbing. 
It also wouldn't work well if the person belaying was on the same level or was higher up than the person who was coming down the rock wall. So the reason it works is because a belayer needs to be down away from where the person is and they need to be further out in order to make sure that there is enough tension and to, in order to make sure that everyone is safe. And when we talk about being in the storm, our main point for today is that being in the storm may cause us to feel down and out, but being down and out is exactly what anchors are made for. In the same way that a belay doesn't work if they're directly below, or excuse me, if they're, you know, if they're too far inside or if they're too high up, a belayer needs to be down from where the person is and further out in order for it to be safe. That's how it works. And in the same way, an anchor cannot hold us secure or firm or steadfast if the anchor is still within the boat. It needs to be out of the boat and down into the ground so that it can hold fast during the storm. So we talk about being down and out in the midst of difficulties and storms and trials and tribulations in our lives. And it's when we are down and out that anchors are needed. And it's when we are down and out that anchors fulfill their purpose because being down and out is exactly what anchors are made for. So as we're going to be in Acts chapter 27, and we're going to start off in verse 21, and we're going to look at, last week we looked at some anchors that we needed to weigh, that we needed to pull up because they wouldn't uh, withstand difficulty and trials in the storm, and so we can't turn to them to rely upon them. This week we're going to look at some of the anchors we see from this passage that allow us to hold fast, that cause us to be more firm, and that when we are down and out, we turn to these things. There's myriad of things we could turn to, but we're gonna look at the ones from this passage that we turn to so that we can be held, held fast, secure, and firm. So again, we're starting in verse 21, and last week, I'm gonna read just verses 19 and 20 from last week to kind of catch us up to where we've been. Verse 19 says, on the third day, they threw the ship's tackle overboard with their own hands. And verse 20, when neither sun nor stars appeared for many days and the storm continued raging, we finally gave up all hope of being saved. And so it reminded us of the hope that when we put our hopes in all these false anchors, all these other things that don't work, we lose hope. But starting in verse 21, we start to see how that changes. So we're going to read verse 21 through 25 here for the one of the anchors, some of the anchors for the down and out is our headliner there inside of your notes. Verse 21 says this, after they had gone a long time without food, Paul stood up before them and said, men, you should have taken my advice not to sail from Crete. Then you would have spared yourselves this damage and loss. But now I urge you to keep your courage because not one of you will be lost. Only the ship will be destroyed. Last night, an angel of the, of the God to whom I belong and whom I serve stood beside me and said, do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand trial before Caesar and God has graciously given you the lives of all who sail with you. So keep up your courage, men, for I have faith in God that it will happen just as he told me. Nevertheless, we must run aground on some island. The first anchor that we see here is the anchor of our faith in God. That talks about how many times Paul had his faith. He said, 
This is not one of those where he says, hey, I told you so. You should have listened to me. But he's not saying I told you so just to prove his point. He's saying that God told me so. God told me that you were going to have to face this trial. God told me that, that you shouldn't have taken and left the ship and left the port when, when I said it wouldn't have been a good idea. But the, the ship's captain, the prisoner, um, the, the captain over the prisoners, as well as the owner of the ship said, no, we're going to go. And so he says, listen, I told you you shouldn't have done this. However, guess what? Have courage. Have courage because God has graciously given us the lives of everyone here, that no one's going to perish, that the ship will be destroyed. There is a loss. The ship is destroyed. The cargo is lost, but the people will survive. The people will live. And we see here, especially in verse 23, when Paul identifies himself with God. He doesn't just say, God, who I, I, I pray to every once in a while. He doesn't say, God, when I just go to services on the weekend, or God, who I am sometimes in a small group with, or God, who I you know, sometimes pray and remember to pray to before meals. He's talking about, no, this God to whom I belong. That his identity, his, his identity was in his faith in God. His identity was in God, and that was, is what allowed him to put his faith in God as well. That's an anchor that we can know that when we are down and out, that no matter what the storm is that we are facing, that we know that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. The same one who created us and formed us in our mother's womb, the same one who created the stars and the sky and the heavenly host is the same one who's so big to hold the universe in the palm of his hand is the same one that extends that same hand and loving embrace to us in our trials. It's the anchor for our soul is our faith in Jesus. In fact, we talked about this verse last week. Hebrews 6, verse 19 through 20 says that we have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain where our forerunner Jesus has entered on our behalf. He's become a high priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. And it reminded us that was the anchor that held firm. Our faith in Christ is our anchor that holds firm. And for those of you uh, who, uh, for those of the kids who are here, when you came last week, you received um, a bag. And if you're, this is your first time coming, hopefully you received the kids packet as well. And if you looked inside, you saw that there was um, this really nice uh, balloon that was like, a, you can squeeze it and whatnot. Um, and on there was Hebrews 6. This idea that we can hold fast, that you can squeeze on to God in the midst of our trials. And it allows us to remind ourselves that we hold fast, firm, and secure to who Jesus is. And, and Mary and Susie just did a fantastic job putting those together, as well as creating something very tangible and tactile. Uh, if you're a kid, don't worry about what the word tactile means. It just means you can touch it. Um, but just this idea of, of something to hold on to as a reminder that when we're stressed, when we're in the storm, when we struggle, we can cling to Christ as our firm foundation, as our hope. And then we see here also in verse 23 that it's not just the, the God to whom I belong, but it's the one whom I serve. That it's not just who he is, but his faith in Christ doesn't just only survive, just or isn't just between him and God. It's, it's how he lives his life, who he serves, and how he serves is embodied in the fact that he is God's. That his identity isn't in the opinions of others. His identity isn't in what other people think. His identity isn't even in what he does or how well he does things. His identity is in that firm foundation, that hope that we have in Christ. We continue on. The first point that we talked about is our faith in God is an anchor when we are down and out. 
Continue on in verse 27. On the 14th night, we were still being driven across the Adriatic Sea. When about midnight, the sailors sensed that we were approaching land. They took soundings and found that the water was 120 feet deep. A short time later, they took soundings again and found it was 90 feet deep. Fearing that they would be dashed against the rocks, they dropped four anchors from the stern and prayed for daylight. And we'll stop there. See, this idea of when we're in the midst of the storms and we're just praying for daylight to come. One of the second anchors when we're down and out in the midst of the storm are our prayers to God. That prayers mean that we, we, we don't know when the answer's coming. We don't know what the answer looks like. That we often hear times that, that you know, the prayers, even prayers that aren't answered the way we want can still be answered. Sometimes the answer is yes. Sometimes the answer is not now. Sometimes the answer is no. And sometimes we just don't hear the answer. And yet it's not that our prayers just go out frivolously. Our prayers can anchor us into focusing and reminding ourselves of who God is and how much he loves us and that he hears our prayers in the midst of these circumstances. There's an interesting note here um, that someone like, in Acts 27, Luke is the, the author of Acts, and you'll notice um, that he, he talks about how we were in the storm, that Luke was in this journey with Paul and with the 274 other men on this boat. And so he's giving a very detailed description of how they got to where they got, what different circumstances they were facing, and all these different aspects of the nautical terms or the nautical ways in which the boat moved around. In fact, I was uh, looking it up and it talks about here how they dropped four anchors, and that's where we got the title, Dropping Anchors. But they dropped four anchors and they recently were able to, or different um, people were able to look and find where the anchors were based on the description of the land and the water and, and the different dynamics that um, Luke described here. And so it was found just several years ago where they found the anchor that they believe was the one that was, um, what was one of these anchors here. But the, the interesting point that, that someone, you know, as I was reading, they talked about is that verse 29, fearing that they would be dashed against the rocks, they dropped four anchors from the stern and prayed for daylight. Here's why that is different, is that um, both in ancient maritime and nautical ideas with how to um, sailboats, as well as in modern, usually or oftentimes the anchors come from the bow. So just for a reminder of people who don't know what that is, mostly me, uh, bow is the front, stern is the back of the boat, right? So normally anchors come from the bow. They come from the front of the ship. But this one, they talk about how the, the anchors came from the back, came from the stern. And here's why it's important is that they talked about how because the wind was blowing as strongly as it was and the direction that it was blowing, that let's say where you guys are is the land. The way that the wind was blowing, if they had used the ship as the, uh, from the bow, and they put the anchors from the bow, the wind was blowing in a direction where all of a sudden it would turn around and now they were no longer facing land. They did not want to lose sight of land in the midst of the storm. So what the captain did, which an experienced captain would have done, that, that isn't common, but they would put, he went and he put the, the anchors from the stern, from the back, so that what happened was even when the ship were to be moved aside, it was anchored in the back so that where they were facing was still their destination. Where they were aiming was still 
forward and towards land. Their refuge was still in front of them rather than getting so tossed aside by the storm that they knew not where forward was. Why is this important? Because when we are in the storm and we are down and out, our prayers to God are so vital because they help us with our direction. That uh, I had a friend who we were talking uh, via text recently, asked how they were doing. Um, and she said, you know, she put it, said, look inward, you get depressed. Look outward, you get distressed. Look upward and know you're blessed. And I thought I was, I, I texted her earlier today. I was like, you know, did you say that? Did you like, where did, did you read that somewhere? Did you come up with that? Like, that's really good. And she's like, oh, I'll tell you who did it. Pastor Evan Foote. I'm like, amen. <laughs> Pastor Evan's so great. And so this person was like, you know, this happened. I heard that in a sermon four or five years ago and it still stuck with me. Look inward, get depressed. Think about the storm, the season of COVID, the season of isolation, the season of distancing, the season of economics, um, are, you know, within your homes, a season of job loss, the season of furloughing, the season of all these difficulties. It's easy to look inward and feel like we're never going to get out. We could get depressed. Look outward and get distressed. Look at the strife. Look at the disunity. Look at the frustration. Look at the anger. Look at the pain. Look at the division. And it's easy to get distressed. However, look upward and know you're blessed. Not, not that that means that we're not going to face the storm. But when we look upward, it keeps our eyes fixed on the storm calmer. It keeps our eyes fixed on the author and perfecter of our faith. It keeps our eyes fixed on Jesus that when he was on earth and he was walking on water and Peter came to him and he said, Lord, if this is you, let me come walk to you on the water. And as long as Peter had his eyes fixed on Jesus, he was able to make it and walk on water. And what does it say in Matthew 14? It talks about how, but when he started to look at the winds and the waves, when he lost sight of fixing his eyes on Christ, he immediately he began to sink. And then Matthew 14, it's either verse 30 or 31, I forget which, but then Jesus says, and then it talks about how immediately Jesus picked him up out of the water and asked him why he had little faith. And it's always one of those, when you read that passage, you, it's easy to say, well, but Jesus, like he's the only one that walked on water. He's the only one that stepped out. He's the only one that tried, whereas all the other disciples just kind of watched. So why is he questioning his faith? And I don't know all the answers to it, but I do know, if nothing else, when Peter's eyes were fixed on Christ, he was able to walk on water. When we look upward, when we make sure that our, our anchor is such that no matter which way the wind swerves and no matter which way the wind blows, our destination, our aim is still forward, our vision is still upward, and our prayers are still heard by the God who hears our prayers. That two of the anchors that for the down and out are our faith in God, our prayers to God. Let's continue on, starting in verse 30 through 32. In the attempt to escape from the ship, the sailors let the lifeboat down into the sea, pretending that they were going to lower some anchors from the bow. Then Paul said to the centurion and the soldiers, unless these men stay with the ship, you cannot be saved. So the soldiers cut the ropes that held the lifeboat and let it drift away. See, remember how normally the bows is where the anchors would come from. 
they threw them from the stern. And so all four anchors are out the back, but the experienced sailors saw how crazy the water was going to be, how crazy the storms were. And they decided, listen, we're going to pretend that we're going to put the boat, the anchors from the bow. And in reality, we're going to get the lifeboat out and we're going to escape the sinking ship. One of the anchors that we need to hold on to when we are down and out is the idea that we don't leave when they're sinking ships. In fact, we need to stick together. That if one of them left, that these were the experienced sailors and in the notes, sticking together is number three. The idea that they couldn't have people escaping. They couldn't have people who were dropping out in the midst of the storm, but instead all of them needed to be together. They needed to be able to help one another rather than try to escape and save themselves. And so we talk about how in verse 32, they, they literally got rid of the idea or even the option of escaping. They cut the, the, um, the, the rope so that the lifeboat would just crash off because we all need to decide when we are in trials, it is so easy for us to isolate. And not just because we're trying to not catch a disease and, and get into a pandemic, but we isolate because when we struggle, it's easier for us to just hide, to not open up, to feel like we're alone. And then in so doing, we allow our feelings of loneliness become a self-fulfilling cycle in which we never reach out. And then we truly are lonely. But sticking together is what we as Christ followers do. We, we bear one another's burden, fulfill the law of Christ. We come alongside one another. We encourage one another. We pray for one another. We, we serve one another. We do good deeds towards one another. We encourage and come alongside so that when we know people who are in the storm, we do not leave them in the storm to their own devices, but we hop on board and we cut the ropes and we say, I'm with you. No matter what happens, we are here and I wanna be someone who comes alongside you to stick together in the midst of the storm. There's a story of this from history that um, I've shared before, but it's been a little while. And it's the story of the thundering legion of Rome. And, and it was these Christian soldiers that were Roman soldiers, but the, the legion believed in Christ as their Lord and their Savior. And all of a sudden, the emperor Licinius started persecuting Christians and then started to say that, you know, unless you give an offering or sacrifice to Caesar or to other gods, then you're going to die. And so these, these Roman soldiers that were powerful, that were great warriors for Rome, you know, told their commander, we're, we're not, we're not going to do that. We're, we're, we're not going to sacrifice our faith in God. We're not going to call upon any other gods. We're not going to sacrifice to any other gods. We're, we're not going to do that. And so first they started to bribe, the, the, the commanders and the leaders started to bribe them and say, well, we'll give you position. We'll give you money. And they said, listen, we're, we're, we're not going to sacrifice. We're, we're, this is the God who, to whom I belong and the God whom I serve. And, and so they decided, you know, we're not going to do that. So then it switched from bribery to trying to hurt them and, and to torture them and to scare them. And what they finally did is they ended up putting them outside on a frozen lake. And on the frozen lake, there were 40 of them huddled together. And no matter how often they tried to say, you know, come out, come out, they stuck together. And there was one, there was one soldier who ended up leaving. He, he ended up walking away. And so then there were 39 soldiers and they were saying, Lord, 30 or 40 of us are here. May 40 of us be able to be granted the victory of faith in you. And the one left and then one of the Roman soldiers who was on the shore 
who saw how the, the thundering legion of Rome were still sticking together and their faith was encouraging one another. They were sticking together in this. He took off his armor and he took off um, everything else and he joined, he confessed Jesus as Lord and he went and he went to stick together with those other 39. So that 40 men stuck together in the trial. 40 men stuck together in the storm. 40 men ended up dying that night, but 40 men understood that sticking together and encouraging one another is vital when we are facing difficult times. You are not meant to do life alone. Christianity or faith in God is not an island. No man is an island, right? But even more so, Christianity is not a solo sport. Christianity is one, our walk with God is one in which we need others alongside of us who will stick with us in the midst of the heartache. Who are the people that you know who are in the storm that just need someone to stick with them? They just need someone to come alongside and to say, listen, I'm all on board with you, literally on board. I'm cutting the lifeboat, I'm with you. Sticking together is one of the other anchors. That's the third anchor. The fourth one we see in verse 33 through 37 as we get to our last point tonight. Verse 33. Just before dawn, Paul urged them all to eat. For the last 14 days, he said, you have been in constant suspense and have gone without food. You haven't eaten anything. Now I urge you to take some food. You need it to survive. Not one of you will lose a single hair from his head. After he said this, he took some bread and gave thanks to God in front of them all. He broke it and began to eat. They were all encouraged and ate some food themselves. Altogether, there were 276 of us on board. When they'd eaten as much as they wanted, they lightened the ship by throwing the grain into the sea. Not only do we need to have our faith in God as an anchor when we're down and out, not only do we need to pray to God when we are down and out as an anchor, not only do we need to stick together as an anchor when we are down and out, but we also need to be encouraging one another when we are down and out. Encouraging one another that we see Paul encourage the people or the men on the ship three different times. Verse 22, he says, men, you should have, or you should have taken my advice. But then verse 22, excuse me, he says, I urge you to keep up your courage because not one of you will be lost. Verse 25, so keep up your courage, men, for I have faith in God that it will happen as he told me. And then verse 36, they were all encouraged and ate some food themselves. We've talked about this before, but you literally, when you think about encouraging someone, it's this idea that there's cur you're putting courage into them. Encourage, you're bringing courage, you're breathing life, you're encouraging, you are giving courage to those who are fearful. You're breathing life into those who are struggling from one breath to another because of what they're facing. You are filling people up when all they feel is emptiness. You are coming alongside them when they're lonely. We can encourage one another. We hear this idea with, um, if you've been part of uh, VBS with us, we talk about this idea of God's sightings, right? And we start to say, here's how we got, saw God today. Another idea is this idea of how we have breadcrumbs breadcrumbs of how we've seen that God has moved in it's just one step at a time. And it's, it's one breadcrumb at a time where you don't see the whole journey of where we're going, but one breadcrumb at a time, God is just guiding us. And this idea of breadcrumbs stood out because it's, they got filled by eating the grain, by eating bread. And that gave them enough encouragement 
to make it through the final part of their journey. So encouraging one another is something that we need to be able to do. That it's easy for us to surround ourselves with people that, that it's easy for us to curse the darkness, to look around at everything around us and just talk about how horrible things are, how difficult things are, how, how angry and divided and everything. But Sally Clarkson, um, who has written many books, uh, one of her devotionals says that it's better to light a candle rather than curse the darkness. That we could be candle lighters and hope spreaders and encouragers when the darkness surrounds us. So we've hit on a few of these anchors, and, and I want to kind of close just the last final thought. In the notes, we talk about how there's two different choices we have, dropping out or dropping anchors. Because there's no question that we will face storm. The question is, will we drop out or will we drop anchors? Because the dropping out, if we go back to um, Acts 27, verse 29, excuse me, 28, that they feared that they would be dashed among the rocks. They dropped four anchors from the stern and prayed for daylight. But in an attempt to escape from the ship, the sailors let the lifeboat down into the sea. They were trying to drop out of the boat for our faith and our walk with God in the midst of the storms when we're down and out. Are we going to drop out? Because if we drop out, then we often miss out. If we drop out during the storm, then we miss out on seeing how God calms the storm. If we drop out when there's no hope, we miss out on seeing how God provides hope. When we drop out and try to turn our minds off, our hearts off to everything of God, we miss out on everything that God has for us. I'm not saying that it's easy by any stretch of the imagination, but if we drop out, we often miss out But the flip side of this is that when we drop anchors while we're in the storm, we gain the opportunity to minister to others who are in the same boat. When we drop anchors in the midst of the storm, we gain the opportunity to minister to others who are in the same boat. So people who have experienced the same heartache that we've experienced, we're now able to come alongside them and give them hope. That the people in the boat with Paul, literally in the boat with him, were people who ended up learning about God because he shared about him. He ended up praying to God as they were just trying to pray for daylight. That they were able to stick together. They were able to be encouraged and encourage one another. That they were rescued from the storm, both the free, the prisoners and those who were free. All of them survived the storm, made it to land. And eventually, Paul ended up being able to witness to everybody on the island of Malta as well. So we start to see that by dropping anchors through Paul, being able to have faith in God, to pray to God, to be able to stick together and to encourage one another, they were then given the opportunity to be able to minister to people who were in the same boat. And the same goes for us in our storms. That as I've shared that there are times when I've struggled with depression and being suicidal, that I never wish that upon anybody. But God has allowed my, that painful experience in my life to be able to be a light to someone else in the midst of their darkness. I can't tell you how many times that people would be struggling with depression or suicide. I'm like, listen, I don't know everything you're going through, but I've been where you've been. And there is hope doesn't mean the sun's going to shine tomorrow, but we're praying for daylight and the sun will come. 
See, as we close, are you and I, when we're in the storm, are we looking inward and getting depressed? Are we looking outward, feeling distressed? Are we looking upward and seeing how we've been blessed? Maybe another question to ask as we close is, are there people that you know who are going through a storm and how can you put courage inside of them this week? How can you encourage them this week? Recently, um, Elise had her, uh, we had a, like a drive, drive-through uh, birthday party for her. Um, and uh, we ended up getting like these party, uh, party city balloons and I was really excited to get them. And so we like got them, they were delivered and Steph got them all ready to go and Elise didn't know anything about it. And so she walked outside and there were these beautiful balloons and it was very exciting. Um, I had the big number five and uh, all these things is great. And then at one point during the party that there were, um, there were some kids who were like playing with it. And at some point I, I wasn't there. So I've only heard, you know, secondhand, uh, the idea that the balloon started to fly away, that there was an anchor holding it down, but all that was really holding the balloon to the anchor was like a piece of paper around it. And so the paper broke, the anchor stayed, but the um, the balloon started flying away and just how discouraging and how sad that was for, for Elise and just, you know, Seeing balloons in general that fly up is sad enough, but when they're for you, like that's so difficult. And we had a friend who then uh, went and got some brand new balloons that were even nicer than the balloons that we had purchased. It was like a bigger number five with blue, which was her favorite color. And it was one of those where it was just this beautiful, beautiful thing. And the reason I share this story um, is because when we were preparing for this, there was someone who... Um, said it this way when it talks about the faith that we have that's secure that we hold on to. And he said that it's not so much that we need to hold on to our hope like a kid holding on to a balloon tightly and wanting it so hard and, and just holding fast to it. The truth is, it's our hope that holds on to us like an anchor that holds a boat. That too was from Pastor Evan Foote. Just this picture of how, yes, the, the boats, or the boats, boats don't float away, unless if you're watching Peter Pan. Um, the, uh, the balloons floated away, but, and that was sad, but it was redeemed because someone came and they were able to help out. For us, we might be holding on to hope and we feel like we have to hold on to it so tightly and we're clenching so hard because the waves are so strong and then it reminds ourselves that Christ is our hope and he's holding fast to us that the, the reason our hope in God is, is steadfast and secure and firm is not because our grip is that strong, it's because God is that good and he is that present with us in the storm. So will you pray with me as we remind ourselves that being in the storm may cause us to feel down and out, but being down and out is what anchors are made for. To be cast out through prayer, our faith in God, sticking with one another, encouraging one another. Those are one of many anchors that allow us when we are down and out, that those are when we get to hold fast to Christ. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much that you are here in this place and we thank you for your love for us. God, I pray that you would minister to each and every person who is here this evening, each person that is watching online on Sunday morning. Lord, I don't know the storms everyone is facing. I know you do. But Lord, I know as well that 
our faith, our, our hope is in you. And God, I pray that we will be able to sing out, that, um, that we'll be able to shout unto you in the midst of the storm and knowing that you are with us. So God, minister to each and every one of us now. We love you. We worship you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.